coming up on the Travis Makes Friends podcast. I believe we're all blessed with a God-given talent. And the moment that board touched my hand, I knew that like that was going to be what I would do for the rest of my life. It was certainly coupled with like rebellious behavior. Yeah, which makes complete sense why I ended up a heroin addict. <laughs> <laughs> Miller High Life used to sponsor Jackass, and they'd literally have to rent out like two extra hotel rooms for all the Miller High Life. The more outrageous my behaviors were, the more outlandish my antics became. Yeah. The higher the ratings went, the more in demand I was, the more money I made. And if the stunt was crazy enough and I got hurt, I was taken to the hospital where a doctor would write me a script of what I really wanted, which mm. was pain pills, and Some everyone oxygen. allowed me to do that. Because it was a justifiable high. Yeah, right. And I did it while working. You know, the point of jackass is to do things terribly wrong. <laughs> so, so the worse the stunt went, the better like of an applause you got. Right. Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends, if you're doing it the right way anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. Charles Manson, he didn't kill anybody. He's, is that true? Yeah. Well, he maybe in his life, but when the ones that he like was convicted for when they went to the the house and killed all those people, like he just gave instructions, but never left his house. That's it was pretty fucking intelligent to get into someone's mind that much to make them that much of a believer of yeah. a cause that you'll kill for it. Yeah. You think it's you think it's more the leader just being that charismatic or you think it's more the people being that gullible i think it's a perfect storm yeah just a mixture of of you know a really what some might call overbearing charismatic yeah insane genius you know because crazy is crazy until it finds its context then it becomes brilliant sure yeah so i think you every, have to, i mean every brilliant, brilliant person was crazy before they were brilliant. legit yeah. the wright brothers when they yeah. Fucking invented the plane. Yeah. Before that plane was invented and the first plane flew, yeah. tell me you're going to invent something that flies and transport it. Fuck you, you're right. insane. Well, it's a, it's a actually a marker of mastery and brilliance is is being crazy for a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, I was reading, um, I think I think it was 10X is Greater Than 2X, a, a book by uh, Ben Hardy and Dan Sullivan, these business guys. We were just talking about that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um. And one of the things in there that they talked about that, well, like probably one of the the biggest, one of my favorite sections of the book, they talk about the difference between um, excellence and uh, mastery, I think it was. Um, basically, like you can get really good at something by just duplicating what other people have done and just going in, duplicating a process, learning from somebody else, and then doing exactly what they said to do. You can get really good at something. Because like the true masters, innovators of their crafts always at some point like brought in their own uniqueness to stuff that's already been existing and created something that's completely brand new and were thought of as they were doing it as being uh, crazy at that time. 
until and ends up working out and then they're geniuses and they're you know, praised by all and this, <laughs> they is, get the this is probably not the best example prize. right now but kanye west was that way you know so, like, yeah he was, he was delusional about how he was going to be the greatest rapper ever and he's going to be this insane crazy artist and he was saying all this stuff before anybody knew who he was so at the time like all these you know big producers are like who's this kid coming in telling us that he's going to be th- this this and this or whatever but then he goes and creates this stuff that nobody heard before and it took off and he became brilliant and now he's kind of back in the crazy chair <laughs> or is he yeah. or is we'll he just see. back in the lab creating this new like we'll see next level experience that we're gonna be like we're the fools in that equation yeah, right. <laughs> time will tell time will tell that's for sure um the, the new to share dave Chappelle documentary did you watch that i didn't know i no. watched it the other night and it was uh, a documentary not, I'm, not, I'm sorry not a documentary uh, his new special oh yeah his special i watched that yeah, yeah. And how he ended so, that. The brilliance yeah. of the dreamer. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude. I'll fuck this up. I'm not even going to pretend to, yeah, to, I was gonna to say, say yeah. what he Correct. said. I Just wish watch I could. The <laughs> I'd sound really profound like I knew my deal if I did, but yeah. watch it. It's it's brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant how he ties that together. That's so good, man. He, he's, he's, he's more like an orator than he is yeah. a comedian. You know, he's just like, he's, he's so good at, at, um, at distilling truth and making you laugh about it and then and then uncovering it as the truth you know totally. like, like he yeah. says something that you think is just like oh that's utterly ridiculous and it's made up and you're laughing your ass off and it's like but that's what you do you know and you're like oh he oh. ties it all together <laughs> yeah. at the end full like, circle that's true and then you know talking about these dreamers and, and making the uh the impossible possible if you will the most profound prolific takeaways from this knowledge acquired wisdom experienced is from the failure mm, right yeah, right like really yeah which is you know was skateboarding for me okay. skateboarding was it skateboarding yeah. weeds out the quitters oh, absolutely dude. well i mean cement has a really interesting way of giving you feedback yeah you know I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> so. I don't know if i'd say interesting but it's, it's a way yeah <laughs> but you know for skateboarders myself you know Failure is not an option. No is unacceptable. And we will relentlessly, uh, tirelessly try a trick, one trick, over and over and over. And it will take days, weeks, months, years for that matter sometimes. And then we get it and it's just, ah, on to the next. Yeah. You know, it's... What what, what got you into skateboarding? Opportunity met uh, timing. Yeah. And... What, what, and, like how, and, how old were you? And 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 this pro skater being smitten on my sister. Okay. And he handed he my sister took me to the skate park at seven to for why I have no idea in Ocean City, Maryland, Third Street. We go there. My sister could care less about skateboarding. She never has, never will. But nonetheless, we end up at this skate park, and I remember this pro skater. I have no idea who his name, what his name was, who he is. I was a kid at the time. But he gave me his skateboard. And looking back in hindsight, mm. he was clearly just trying to fuck my sister. <laughs> and, and hats off to him. But I believe we're all blessed with a God-given talent. But God may not have... I could, be, I could have been the best ping pong player in the world, but God may have never seen fit to put a paddle in my hand. Sure, sure. That day, for whatever the reason was, and the moment that board like touched my hand as this glass is... I knew that like that was going to be what I would do for the rest of my life. How, who were some of the like big pros at that time? 
Um, at that time, it was the, the Bones Brigade, all like the okay. PAL team, Steve Caballero, Tony Hawk, okay. Mike McGill, Lance Mountain, and uh, who ultimately I ended up riding for. And I got on by way of a guy named Bucky Lasik, who was like the, the, the guy who came after the original Bones Brigade, who was also from Baltimore. Okay. And kind of took me under his wing. This is like the beginning of the sport still. Yeah. Really. I mean, like th- those guys were like inventing it. Oh, as they were they the pioneers. Were yeah. I mean, what, they were what, looked like, at as crazy. To be pro, <laughs> they were I mean? crazy. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah, for sure. And it, it, they were looked at as crazy because like they were literally inventing the sport. Totally. Like, they, yeah. Know, like they, they were every single, every single aspect of, there was no foundation. There was no rule book or playbook. Or, or reference of like, if yeah. you do this, you can maybe acquire this. Totally. Be- that, that's why I was saying like, what would it even mean to be pro at that? Like, do you, like, if you just get a sponsorship deal, does that mean you're all of a sudden pro? Like what, what is that? What did that even mean back then? It just depends on who you ask. Yeah. You know what I mean? And unfortunately I wasn't of the age to know what that looked like yeah. then. Because technically like a, being professional, anything is to get paid to do well it's funny that you say that because on one of these um social media platforms i follow a big one in the skateboarding world i think it might have been the barracks and they said uh what's your what do you consider a pro to be like what what's it take for you to be a considered a pro skateboarder today and people were weighing in and it was it was some was just a name on a skateboard Hmm. uh some was a name on a board with an official video part through the 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 people who you know make the board you know it's just all these different qualifications somewhere can you provide a living for your family through it Mm -hmm. but i know a lot of pro skaters today um not a lot but i know a handful who also have part-time jobs oh really yeah okay yeah so that's all that's all i was curious is like it's basically still really an opinion it's kind of up in the air like it is yeah um and then you know skateboarding was the thing where like you'd be kicked out of most places for doing it, yeah. you know, destruction of property. Uh, yeah, and that's, it was certainly coupled with like rebellious behavior, yeah. which, which makes complete sense. Why I ended up a heroin addict. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But what was the chicken? What was the egg? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> uh, no. Um, but the, the funny thing is the irony in all that is now today it's become an Olympic sport. And it's yeah, welcomed right. by all, viewed by everyone, revered, and it's yeah. it's like wanted, and uh, it's just crazy how things. Yeah, like Sean Wyatt was snowboarding. Yeah, <clears throat> who was also an insanely amazing skater. <laughs> Is he that like as like good legit? As, yeah, yeah, he was like, up there with Hawk. Yeah, but I think he's now more focusing just on snowboarding stuff. I believe the um, Johnny Shilleroff, the guy who created Element Skateboards. Mm-hmm. Um who then sold element to billabong okay um created the heart supply which is essentially you know if he wants i guess could create it into something as big as element was mm. but it's his next project which is who i ride for now okay. and who i just sure. put a video part out with and and my first pro model because when i fell into addiction it was around the same time that i was designing my prototype shape for pal Okay, And I was like staying at Tony Hawk's house during the summer and like really invested in that world. But I chose to pursue heroin as opposed to a skateboarding career. Hmm. Needless to say, my life went to shit and I, I had given that dream away. Yeah. And uh, fast forward to 
coming up on nine years sober at 45 years old, I went to Barcelona and filmed like a legit skate part and put it out. And it's the best video part I've ever put out mm. paired with a board. And now Johnny Silleroff, who originally owned Element that sold to Billabong, now created the Heart Supply, is the uh, official team captain for the USA Olympic skateboarding team. Oh, no. He's way. the head of the Olympics skateboarding section. Gotcha. Like the oh. division. Or yeah, the yeah. division. Yeah. Yeah. That's super so interesting. It's, it's it's pretty crazy to I don't even think about that until just talking to you about it the 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 evolution and the layers that yeah. not only has it went through but I paired with it and and the trajectory but again skateboarding is kind of the thing that instilled in me my core beliefs today hmm. Hmm. You know? like the values that you hold yeah I, I noticed um in your book. <clears throat> so this is Dream Seller, an addiction memoir by Brandon Novak. If you haven't picked it up, you should go pick up a copy. Um, just the very first couple of pages, I noticed you dedicated the book to your mom. Yeah. What, talk to me about mom's role um, in the very beginning. Because like, again, at the time, skateboarding's not a revered it's it's not what it is today for sure and, you were definitely an outcast yeah and 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 no parent wants to see their kid go down a path that's maybe like less trustworthy or less dependable or stable or whatever mm -hmm. regardless of what that path is but especially probably not this like new sport that nobody knew what the future looked like with it where there wasn't a lot of examples of people doing it successfully where it was also associated with a rebellious attitude and could potentially lead to hanging out with bad people and could get you on this path what did, what did mom think during that whole time it's really funny that you just broke it down like that especially meeting you today seeing your family downstairs and you're a family man and you clearly that's very near and dear to your heart heart and uh my family wasn't like your family. Okay. And that's really cool if you think about it because there's just all these different people out there that come from so many different backgrounds. They give us different perspectives on the same exact topic, Yeah, right? Like you and I could be going to the museum and staring at a Picasso painting and having two completely different takeaways experiences sure. and 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 for me as a child growing up so what it looked like is um i had a father who was around just enough to let us know he was not around mm. he uh he never held a job a day in his life and he taught me one thing if and when i went to prison how to conduct myself and, mm. and he was a biker he ran with the hell's angels okay ultimately became uh addicted to crack cocaine and his body shut down he passed away but needless to say, during that time, received the first skateboard, seven, growing up, my mother got her very first job at Mercy Hospital in Baltimore City at 15 years old, drawing blood, a phlebotomist, uh, drawing blood for $5 a pop. And, and that's how she would make her money. Mm. But she was doing that to support schooling because she was working her way up that, that social ladder, if you will to ultimately become a nuclear physicist on the board of that hospital. Oh, wow. So she is working day in, day out, tirelessly. Yeah. I have a father who's just a maniac. Yeah. Um, a brother and a sister who are older than me and they're starting to like go off to school and college. Okay. So my mother, like her biggest fear was having to go to work from 4 a.m. till 9 p.m. and leave me home with him. Mm. 
So she got me the skate. Well, she, 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 the moment I got that skateboard, she would take me into work with her. And I would, I was raised skating the parking lot of Mercy Hospital. Oh, wow. And, and then just kind of bouncing from department to department because that was yeah. better than the alternative, which was my crazy biker dad taking me to the strip joint all day while I sold meth and did God knows right. what with the chicks. Right. right. Um, so for her, she was like, yes, yeah, like he keep found something yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, so that the was- whole idle hands thing. Legit. Man, yeah, especially Le for teenagers. And yeah. then when the older guys, I, I was blessed with that talent and people started recognizing it. So they, I was the youngest kid in the crew and the older guys, Bucky Lasix and all the others mm, yeah. would like, come pick me up and take me skating with them. And so that's my mother didn't have money to pay for a babysitter. Yeah. So that was free daycare sure. for me. And, and I was around guys that like had goals, they had aspiration, right. they had dreams, although it wasn't the norm of sure. Like maybe you should play football and get a scholarship to college. Yeah, yeah. It was still better than the alternative that I had. Yeah. It was still to your point earlier, it's still instilling values. Yeah. It's still teaching hard work. It's still teaching accomplishing things. It's still teaching persistence. It's still teaching a totally. lot of really, you know, valuable life skills. Which then transcended into my my world of sobriety. Yeah. It, yeah. it unbeknownst to me at the time. Sure. Oh, yeah, of course. Um uh, and and then I, you know, at this point I've kind of learned that like because of those those values and ethics that a, a, a board on four wheels that people thought were like insane at one point um, became a way that I envision everything that I approach in life. And mm. that is simply that mentality will create reality. Mm. I was always the guy that if I can believe it, I can see it, not yeah, the yeah. other way around. Yeah. Because I was the one that dared to be crazy enough to step outside the social norm and not just fucking fall in line sure. not to say that anything's wrong with that not at all not i would never i, I respect that just as much as yeah, anything else totally totally but that was just where i was so during high school were you just completely concerned and focused on skateboarding like no thought about school academics totally. or anything like that it was just basically just like how can i get out of here to go skateboard all day, I ate it, I breathed it, I slept it, I dreamt it. Yeah, I remember. So um, it was the goal to become pro. Yeah, there, there was, was no, no reason other... for like a plan B, okay. a trait, or an option. Yeah, yeah, never thought twice. Yeah, like straight up. When you know, and again, talking out loud about this is making me realize the synchronicity here is 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 a, a, a trait that I possessed at that age with skateboarding. Followed me into my addiction and alcoholism, which was despite any and all adverse consequences that came my way, I was going to do what I had to do to get what I wanted to get. Mm -hmm. And that worked with skateboarding. And then I chose to pursue drugs and, right. and used it in the same format. But then in sobriety, it kept full circle. Right, right. right? Yeah, the, 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 the value or the quality was persistent there. It was just the pursuit that was incorrect. Legit, yeah, yeah. What, um, at what point did you start getting into the drug scene does that did that fall into the skateboarding world at all did those coincide or did did was none of that relevant it wasn't really relevant so what i believed and i'm asked this often is where did it come from where did it spawn from right my mother is a was a nuclear physicist my, mm. my brother is an attorney who works in the white house mm. practices pensions and benefits my father was a drug addict who died so i came from better i knew better i knew right from wrong but 
my father and his father were addicts and alcoholics. So I believed that I was genetically predisposed. Sure. Yeah. And then, Which you is know, real. Yeah. yeah, 100%. And then my brother and sister, are, who are, are both from a different father, have no oh, issue. Oh, really? Interesting. My mother, no issue. Hmm. Me, can't get enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was all it was, just like start drinking or whatever, and then that's not enough, and then start doing this, that's not enough, get down to this. Everything progressively just happens faster and gets worse in my life when I'm doing things that I have no business doing. Well, it sounds like when you're doing anything, even if you do have business doing it, you you like, my point is, is like, it sounds like you go all in on whatever you're doing. I've never been that guy. that can be in a destructive way if it's something that's destructive. Legit. I was never that guy that kind of dipped my toe in the shallow end to see how the temperature fell. Mm. Um, But ultimately that hurt me for a long time when it came to sobriety. Because when I, and I know I'm jumping back and forth, but we're just saying a lot of parallels here sure, sure. that it just doesn't make sense not to speak on. But when I, when I was toying with the idea or image of recovery and sobriety, I would, I would go to those meetings and kind of peek my head in to see what they had going on and, and dip my toe in the, yeah. the shallow end to see if the temperature was right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and all I was doing, A, was prolonging the inevitable, mm-hmm. um, B, uh procrastinating yeah. right and they taught me in my journey procrastination is like masturbation you only fuck yourself so i'm just like royally fucking myself but when things got great for me is when i just ran to that deep end and jumped headfirst yeah. and submerged myself Close like on. up yeah. all of it dude <laughs> exactly. couldn't get there quick <laughs> enough because the the fire was so hot if you will mm. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Pain. That's kind of what 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 ended up happening. Yeah, basically, just like I can't take it anymore. Totally so, the pain. Like the like, like if I follow this path to conclusion, it's not going to end well. Mm-hmm. And my only my only alternate path here is no longer like oh let me just like only do this on the weekends or let me just only do this this day or that day. Legit, it's like, it's, it's 100% and and like a hundred percent clean. And I tried to path. do that for so long. Yeah, and you ultimately... tell yourself it's cool. Like, yeah, you know, I'll it, just do that on Saturday nights or whatever. Exactly. Well, what I was doing was just rearranging the furniture on the Titanic, right? <laughs> and I'd, I'd put this 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 character here to play this part on this day when the weather's here and right, she's right. and and. That's why I'm really, really big on in allowing everyone to have their process. Because, mm. see, I fucked around. I acquired a lot of knowledge. I'm too smart for my own good a lot of the times, which, again, is another reason why it took me so long to get better is because the pain would be great enough where it would become unbearable. I'd reach out and ask for help, and I'd, I'd land myself in a seat that literally had the ability to save my life of whatever treatment center, doctor's office, psych office. And I would outthink myself right out of it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. so it didn't get better for me until I dumbed my way into this position. Hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had to really just... Just simplify it. Legit. Yeah. And, and because prior, again, to getting sober, everything that my mind told me was that, like, to fight was to win. To fight was to survive. To fight was to make it through another day. To fight was to get one more drink or drug. Yeah, yeah. Which is right. But then I come into recovery or sobriety and, and to fight is to die. Hmm. To fight is to relapse. Yeah. To yeah. fight is to lose. <clears throat> so it was a complete mind fuck. Yeah, right. So I had to understand that. And I never did until I did. Um, yeah, yeah. It, that, that's, that's kind of always the question with, with, uh, with this kind of stuff, right? Is like, 
can you truly help somebody else get to that point? Or does every person have to get to that point themselves? So that's my process had to be my process. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I'm a firm believer in allowing everyone to experience their process because, and everything I know today, I did not know then. Yeah. Life is all in retrospect and yeah. minds Unfortunately. live. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hindsight, 20, minds live forward and learn backwards. Yeah. And now looking back, if anyone would have robbed me of one night of being homeless or, or one less act that I committed illegally to, to acquire drugs, I very well do not believe I'd be the child of God that I am today, hmm. who's literally devoted his life in helping others who are where I once was. Yeah. And like, so I'm a firm believer of uh, repercussions from actions hmm. um, and allowing people to experience outcomes from behaviors that they're exhibiting, good, bad, or indifferent. And then we just meet them where they're at. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over one hundred and forty million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Where do you think, this might be opening a can of worms here, so just let me know, but it, where, where do you land on like the decriminalization of most drugs, of most illegal substances? Yeah. I, Great question. It's, it seems it seems like it seems like there should be some some give on this because oftentimes you might propel yourself into further illegal activity just due to the fact that what you're acquiring is illegal, not necessarily because that drug is going to be worse than the other one. I, yeah, I don't know if that question makes sense, but tell me what I your get thoughts it. are on that. Yeah. I get it, and and again, you know, one thing that I always do is remain very neutral. So, like if 
I'm the definition of Switzerland right now. <laughs> um, I, I'm not a debater. I debated for a lot of years and I shot heroin for a lot of years. What I do know is my experience mm. and I'm married to my narrative because sure. it's mine and it's worked for me. And what mine looks like is, do I believe we can arrest our way out of the problem? Absolutely not. Yeah, right. that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm the keynote speaker for the DEA. The mm. DEA came to me and they believed that I could be part of the solution to this drug epidemic, mm. which is insane as that may sound. <laughs> the DEA pays me to speak at their fucking events that they throw all over the nation. Yeah. The, the opioid summit, the 360 degree opioid summit. But they came to me and they said, we understand we cannot arrest our way out of the problem. Yeah. And I agree with that. You can't. Um, so that's one side of it. But that contradicts kind of what I just said. If I didn't have those nights spent in a cold jail cell, sleeping on the floor next to the toilet as an inmate's pissing and I have to use some old wadded up toilet paper as a pillow, mm. freezing cold, I don't know if I would have realized how severe my problem was. Sure. And it wasn't like that that arrest alone single-handedly allowed me to have this come to Jesus moment like, I'm done, I'll never turn back. Fuck no. Yeah. What I know to be true today is that I ultimately got sober by a series of me being divinely inconvenienced. Hmm. So do I believe that you can arrest your way out of the problem? Absolutely not. But I do believe in repercussions from actions. Sure. Why yeah. would I stop if I have a, a nice home to go home to and a bed to sleep in and a, a yeah. woman to help me with life and a right. fridge? Like, yeah. I don't know. But if you follow that through too, though, I mean, you're going to have a, a ton of, you, those consequences are still going to exist. They're just not going to be held by the state and mm -hmm. maybe not as, um, as uh, like blatantly uh, c connected to the crime itself, if that makes sense. Like, so, so like you might have other social consequences because you're doing drugs, but like, because a judge doesn't like swing the gavel and go like, you're guilty of this thing. Therefore you have to serve this time for this thing. You don't really like correlate the causality. You, you like mm -hmm. in your mind, you're, you're not thinking about like, Oh, well this, this relationship that I had with my really good friend is now broken. And that hurts the ripple me effect because of ultimately because of this problem that I can't seem to, to tackle. But like, like I said, if the judge isn't swinging the gavel and saying you're guilty of this and this is your punishment, sometimes you just don't, you don't correlate those two things. You you're ignorant like, to oh, it. Yeah. Like, Why would yeah, you Me and my buddy that? were just estranged right now. You For know what sure. I mean? You're not going like, it's because I did this yeah. and it's a hundred percent, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So it's like, there's still going to be consequences. It's just maybe not as like, in your face, this is why you're experiencing these consequences. So that's why I love platforms like this, right? Because most people aren't aware yeah. that that's even the reality right. of the situation. Therefore, ignorance is bliss. Sure. So why would you not continue to repeat those behaviors that equate to those same outcomes right. and think that you just had a bad day yeah. or that like if something just would have been a little, you know, whatever, however, but so a platform like this allows us to come on and, and shed light on which most people would generally say is a dark topic. Sure. Um, and, and what happens is people acquire some information. They're armed with the facts. Ignorance is no longer bliss. And, and, and it never stood a chance until I uncovered the problem yeah. in order to discover what the problem even was if there was any hopes for me to recover from the problem. Yeah. Right. So you have to kind of get into it. And that's what's amazing about things like this. 
And ultimately, what you find out, what I found out, is that it has nothing to do with the drug or the alcohol or the, the porn or the gambling or the sex or the food or the shopping. That, that's not the problem. It, it, has no, it, it, it is not it's the exact opposite. Quite the contrary. It's, it's the solution. It's the answer mm-hmm. to the problem, which is the behaviors, the thinking, the attitude, and the behavior that continues to re- take me back to the solution, mm-hmm. which is why now it's a wash, rinse, repeat. Because if I simply just sit this down or that down, it's not a matter of if, but when I return. Why? Because I haven't worked on the problem. Mm. The thinking is the problem, not the drinking. The thinking takes me back to that. Where where along the path do things be... Difficult to to phrase this question. And I've had difficulty kind of parsing through this concept, which is why I I like talking about it. Um, So... We grew up, to your point, like different, probably mm-hmm. different. So I grew up Southern California. Sure. So literally opposite sides of the country. Yeah. Um, I grew up very, very religious, like mm-hmm. overly religious, almost cultish bubble type religion. You grew up with a dad who's in a biker gang, who's on drugs, who's strung out. And then your mom's trying to do this. You're, you're like, you're trying to get out of the house. You got all these different influences persuading you to do things or not persuading you to do things. And I grew up in this like just protected bubble. So to that degree, when we were raised, we weren't really a product of our choices at that point. We were a product of our environment because mm-hmm. you don't have a choice of what family you get born into or what your circumstances are or what, or what hand the world deals, uh, uh, deals you when you're brought into the world. But I, I love the phrase, when you're born, you look like your parents. When you die, you look like your choices. Wow, but my, I love that. My question is, at what point along the way do the choices overtake the environment, right? Because there's, it's, it's obvious, like you were probably more genetic, not, not just genetically predisposed to, to like getting addicted, but also like with a, with a dad like that and a strange relationship with a dad, like there's so, there's so many, there's so mm-hmm. many reasons why you would have found the path of drugs before somebody who grew up like I did would find that path. Um, and, but at some point, at some point, it's still your choice. Totally. And at some point, you ultimately will need to make the decision, even if you had all these other circumstances, even if it might have been easier for you to do this thing or more difficult or whatever the case may be. At some point, you are 100% responsible for the choices that you make on a day-to-day basis. I guess my question is like, at what point does it switch? You know what I mean? Because yeah, it's, I know. it's hard to hold the 13 year old accountable for something that happened. It's just like, oh man, well, you got dealt a shitty hand. And like, I don't know if I would have done anything different in that situation. I probably would have done the same exact goddamn thing. So like where along the way do I, you know, totally responsibility I, pick up? Amazing question. And, and, and to, to add some complexity to that as if it needs any more. <laughs> as a kid growing up, it was very clear to me to see, it was very clear to me and easy to see the, the, the effects alcohol and drugs have on a human being, right? Mm-hmm. Because my father, Jerome, everyone loved Jerome. He was a great guy. Mm. But when he didn't show up at 5.30 to make dinner, he was a really good cook. We knew he was at Pappas's bar, shutting the bar down with his biker buddies, and we heard him and his biker friends pull in the parking lot at 3, 3.30, and the key hit the lock. We shook like leaves because mm-hmm. we were about to endure some shit that no one should ever have to witness. So I could understand the psychic change that takes place in an individual upon ingesting a drink or a drug, mm-hmm. right? The Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I witnessed it at a very young age, and I made it a point 
to excel at everything I did to prove why I would never become that fucking man. Mm. That was my mission, my life, my goal. That was it. Yeah. And it worked really well until I became, not only did I become that man, I became him tenfold. Mm. And, um, and the choices that then became this, this lifestyle and outcome paired perfectly with my progression of my alcoholism and addiction. The more I drank, the more I drugged, the more I, I became disconnected to reality and, and, and it progressively got worse. And as an alcoholic, once I drink or drug, I lose the privilege to have a say-so about how things go in my life. And then it, it, it becomes my reality. Yeah. And my reality is so much different than yours. Mm. The, the, for me now, the abnormal is the normal. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which is living in these conditions where at one point it was a choice. Yeah. But now I'm so disconnected from reality and or abnormality that like you and I are staring at the same painting, having two completely different reactions. Yeah, sure. And, and you could, it, you'll, you'll never really understand it until you understand it. And I, I you know, it's, Again, we're going deep here. I, I wouldn't wish addiction on my worst enemy, but I'm going to sit here and tell you it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do with that? Yeah. I mean, that, it's, that's it, how struggle works, right? It's like it's you wouldn't wish any where we, struggle. It's, and, that's the full circle moment right, right here. <laughs> exactly. The failure that turns into the success that yeah. I wouldn't wish on anybody. But yeah. like I had that... <laughs> I had that moment of clarity and the spiritual experience that allowed me to become a completely different wired person who not only acts, but more importantly, reacts to things differently that now my alcoholism and my addiction is a superhuman power that I possess that sets me apart from so many others. Yeah. I love how you said that not act, but react better. Yeah. That like that, that's my phrase is very, I mean, totally. So that's a, that's a loaded statement, man. Like that's, that's, that's it. Yeah. Like that is, that is it. Anybody that's having trouble making decisions right now, you're probably blaming a lot of it on external things, mm -hmm. environment or this, this person or this friend of mine or this situation happened at work and I just couldn't, you know, or, you know, life is just stressful right now. Whatever you're telling yourself, it's not about the acting. It's about the reacting and you can't control what life sends your way, but you can control how you react to what life sends your way. And that's ultimately where where the Brandons are made. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I learned that through my program of recovery and sobriety. I got into the work and it told me, right? Because the last thing I, as an addict or an alcoholic, ever wants to do is assume responsibility for my actions. Ooh, the yeah, name of my scary. game is I deflect, I justify, <clears throat> and I minimize. Yep. Right? Because yep. God forbid we look at me for me. Mm. Um, and, uh, and then I get into the work, I buy into the process and solution of recovery, what sobriety looks like. And, and they tell me that, um, because I'm already cut from the cloth that if, if it doesn't make sense to me, it's wrong, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah. so I'm already having, I, I, things are, I'm up against some shit already, right out of the gate. I already have a, a misconstrued conception of reality. Um, but then I'm also quick to, to become that victim, right? Mm. It's, if. If you didn't do this, I wouldn't have been here or whatever right, it is. Right. And and then what I learned in recovery is that the moment I place an expectation on you, a person, place, or a thing, 
It's not a matter of if, but when you'll let me down. Mm. So what do I know an expectation is today? It's an unfulfilled resentment, mm. right? Because why? I cannot control your, your actions. What I can control is my reaction to your action, yep. right? So they told me a, uh, uh, a resentment is a number one offender to an alcoholic. It will take us back to a drink mm. and to drink is to die. Right. This is this is the teachings that we we live by. Sure. So so understanding that, knowing that I cannot control you, what I learned is that all I have control over in this world is my thinking, my attitude, and my behavior. Yeah. So the sooner I learn that, the easier and lighter my world is to navigate through. And I accept you for wherever you're at. Why? Because acceptance is the answer to everything in our program. Well, and that is it is the most empowering feeling when you finally like really take hold of that concept because vi like victimhood is the opposite of empowerment totally right? if, if everything yeah. if everything is always somebody else's fault the environment the culture the politics your mom your dad your cousin your friend everything's always somebody else's fault then how do you expect to be able to make any improvement in your life yeah there's no change yeah, everything will stay the exact same you can't do anything about it if, if nothing's your fault, you can't do anything to improve it. You no. just have to hope that the universe gifts you improvement, but which is not how it works. People love <laughs> to fucking relinquish that. You know, I can't do anything yeah, about it, it because bad. you're the, yeah, yeah, feels you're bad. the problem exactly. here. Exactly. Yeah. It Except doesn't, responsibility. doesn't feel good to no. be like, oh, yeah, I was dealt a shitty hand. Yeah, I probably like might have had this path may have been like easier for me to follow. And yeah, I could get resentful about maybe some other people who had an easier path, but it's like. The bottom line is the cards are the cards. Yeah. What are you going to do about it now is the question. Mm -hmm. Because you can't go back and change the cards. No. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't, you can't ask life for a different hand. You know what I mean? Like you get dealt the hand that you get dealt and eventually you have to play that hand the best you possibly can and take ownership responsibility for the actions that you take moving forward. Um, and that's the only version that will empower you to live a life that you actually want to live yeah that you believe is worth like getting up for yes exactly, exactly. um you know for so long I, I i i was trying to fill this internal void with an external solution and it came by way of like money property and prestige mm. and it always would divert me from what my primary purpose was which was simply to just make it through another day early on in sobriety mm. sober um and then what I realized is because I always believed that the, the home was big enough, the, the car was new enough, the woman was pretty enough, and the account was high enough, I had to be doing well. Yeah, yeah. But internally, I did not have that life that I believe was worth getting out of bed for every morning. Never wanted to die more in my life. So finally, at the end, after I had exhausted all of those opportunities, options, and resources, rearranged all the pieces that were possible and all the places that existed, I did the one thing I had never done. I went inside. Mm. I went inside. I dug deep inside. And what happened was I finally, it was as, as per usual in my life, the last thing I tried that was the first thing that worked. And I did the internal work that was required to today achieve those external results that I've always fucking desired mm. for so, so long. Because I went from a frame of mind of just problem, 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 problem. So consumed by the mess that I was incapable of seeing the message. Problem, problem, problem. And then I, I surrounded myself with some really 
like-minded, intelligent individuals who really had a grasp on what the fuck I was up against and could guide me in to the right direction, promised land, if you will. And, and at that moment, acquiring the knowledge, I went from being the problem to, to literally like living in the solution. Mm-hmm. So on the days where I wake up and, and would like to take that problematic stance, I can't because I've acquired so much knowledge that it's, it's, it's impossible for me to stay stuck in this ignorant state. Hmm. Like I can't yeah, even, yeah. it's not like I'm like, oh, but man, like, like you're so hyper aware. What the fuck are you? Yeah, I know right, goddamn right. well <laughs> that like I'm choosing to stay stuck on stupid. Yeah, like right. this is of all fault of my own, mm. right? Because they told me if you're not happy with the position you're in, take a look at who put you there. Yeah. And that fucking thing hurt when I heard that first. Because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I really wanted to like blame it on the both ex-fiancés. Yeah. Right, <laughs> but right. they're exes for a reason. <laughs> exactly. No, I bought them, man. Right, right. Where um so okay, I think I have a pretty clear understanding of the kind of the timeline now. And now it's been nine years sober, you said? In May it will be nine. Good congrats on that. God That's willing, awesome. Yeah. Um where is jackass in all of this stuff that we've been talking about from time that you're, you know, a kid, you're skating and then there's addiction and then there's sobriety. Where does jackass that come comes in? in again? My, my timeline is a really blurred, but, uh, in the mid twenties, it starts kind of, okay. Is this pre-addiction or like no, during, during, during yeah. thick of it. Yeah. Viva la bam. Viva la bam is what I started with first. Okay. And that Bam had offered me the opportunity to to live with him in Westchester and leave Baltimore okay. in hopes to get off heroin, start skating again, and him and I kind of pick up where we left off. Gotcha. That was the plan in theory. The old saying, you want to make God laugh, tell my your days mm-hmm. gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't it didn't go that way. Okay, let's put it uh in perspective here. My very first tattoo that I ever got, Evelyn Bam uh, it was like, come move with me. We'll start skating again. You could be on Viva La Bam. You just got to stay off drugs. And, and I couldn't stay clean. And I, I'd make a, 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 an excuse up that I had to go back to Baltimore to get my favorite pair of jeans. And mm-hmm. I would just disappear in Baltimore for weeks. And he would give me another chance and I'd come back. But he was just trying to do the best that he could to understand a really not understandable problem to him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dude, we're going to get you a tattoo. And it's going to say, no more fucking heroin. And every time you look at it, before you, hopefully you'll look at it and you'll not get high, which did not work. But that was my very first tattoo that I ever got right here. That's hilarious. <laughs> so that was my first tattoo ever, ever wow. right out of the right out of the gate. Not like you know, that's mom or girlfriend's initials <laughs> yeah, no or like my side. Like no more fucking heroin, big and bold. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, didn't work though. No, clearly not. Yeah. Um, if only it were that simple. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, that was my introduction to that world, and <clears throat> you know, it took a lot of tries and attempts, and and I'd live with him, and I remember his parents even saying, "Wow." Why do you keep letting Novak back? Like, he's going to hurt you. He's going to let you down. He's going to steal from you. He's going to lie to you. Yeah. And I did all that Mm. in abundance. And he would always give me another chance when he believed that I really wanted it. Mm. Not like, oh, sure, just come on back. But like, I had to show some effort. And and, um, it took ultimately, you know, but way later down the road than way later than we all expected. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so this Dream Seller was the book that I wrote while I was still getting high. And okay. I wrote this under the influence like crazy. Um, and the only reason why I wrote this book 
I have no high school diploma at the time. I, I got, I had no GED when I had written this. Literally expelled from 11th grade as a direct result of my addiction. Mm. Cut to, I'm living at Bam's house. We're filming Viva La Bam. And, and every day we'd finish filming and we'd all go out, the cast and the crew, and we'd have a dinner at a bar. And it would be a table of, you know, 30 people or so, drinking, food, fun times. And, and he was always very entertained and amused by my stories of addiction. The mm. places it put me in, the people it surrounded me with, sure, right? the choices sure. that then became a, a life. Yeah, I mean, still crazy stories. Yeah, yeah. totally. And um, so he'd be like, tell this story, tell that story. And, and I would tell the story at a table of 30 or 40 in a bar and you could hear a pin drop. So one day Bam said, all right, new deal. Because at this time he's let me live with him. I can be on the TV show. I can get paid. Uh, by Viacom, I can have a car, I can have a credit card, I just can't do heroin or opioids. Uh, I can do like cocaine and alcohol because it's socially acceptable and, you know, whatever, but no downers because then I like steal shit, I total cars, I, I'm, I go to jail. Mm. So he said, all right, new rule. You're going to write a book. You're going to take a pen and a paper and the moment that I don't see you, you don't have to be writing. But the first time that I don't see you with that pen and paper in your hand, you're going back to Baltimore. And I'm like, fuck, I don't want to write a book. Yeah. I, I have no desire. I don't even, I don't, I don't even own a laptop. I've, I've never, I, to this day, I, I got my first ever laptop during the beginning of COVID. And it was not by my design. My team said that I needed it for interviews. Yeah, right. And then I gave it to my treatment center that they use for Zoom shit. I don't, I don't, I don't email. Yeah. I, I pen... So I wrote this book, you can see um, on the, one of the picture pages, I wrote this book all pen and paper. And my co, so see like, see the background of that? Oh uh, yeah. That's legit, like yeah. the book behind the pictures. I wrote the book pen and paper. That's wild. Um, I wrote it in 12 chapters. There's a guy named Joe Franz. Joe Franz filmed the CKY videos. Okay. Those, those are what Bam made his first million on. Okay. Uh, that's what began his career with being a household name. And um, Joe Franz filmed the CKY videos. Then Joe Franz became a filmer for Viva La Bams and then the Jackasses. But he was also a professor, really smart guy. So Bam tasked Franz with the position of being my co-author. And Franz is like, please do not do this to me. Basically made him Don't chief babysitter. legit. <laughs> Nonetheless, I, I go to, right? No fool by any means, man. If I believe it, I can see it. All right, I don't want to write a book. I do love talking about these stories where heroin took me because yeah. I can go back there without physically going back there. Mm. Um, so it, it was this weird euphoric place that allowed me a little reprieve from being normal yeah sure i sure. looked at it as like a problem right and um and uh so i went to barnes and Noble. no uh, a team captain from element my old team captain kingman he gave me a book one day he gave me a book called a million little pieces by james frey hmm. which now has turned into a movie but that book made it on oprah's book club yeah i loved that book and his book was written in 12 chapters so i copied his outline I wrote it in 12 chapters. About a year later, I go to, to Bam and I'm like, I think I'm done. I didn't want to write the book, but I didn't want to go back to being homeless in Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, that sounds I'm, worse. I'm becoming yeah. a household name. I'm getting paid by Viacom. I'm right. fucking use the money to get more drugs. Like, it's an amazing thing. Right. 
just uh, party or whatever. So yeah, I, I mean, it's, uh, in terms of being like a 20 something year old addict, like that's a pretty sweet setup. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the best way to do it. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> Which was probably terrible for my alcoholic brain, because if you look at it, the parallels of the role that I played in those movies and TV shows, as opposed to my addicted life, yeah. were a junkie's dream, right? Mm -hmm. The more outrageous my behaviors were, the more outlandish my antics became. Yeah. The higher the ratings went, the more in demand I was, the mm -hmm. more money I made, which then allowed me to buy more drugs. Right, <laughs> Just a right. wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah. But nonetheless, I read this book and about a year later, I go to bed and I think I'm done. And he reads it like, fuck. There's... So he gives it to Joe Franz. Joe Franz turns 12 chapters into 23 chapters. Jeez. We shop it around. Uh, we Bam's agent at the time, Terry Hardy, gets me a literary agent because no one's gonna, no one gives a fuck about who I am at that point. Um, but Bam makes this happen, and uh, a whole lot of no's, and we come to an agreement with Kensington Publishers, Citadel Press. Um, and this book was recently revised in its twelfth edition. Now, for people who don't really understand the literary world, which uh, why would you if you don't? I didn't. Um, 98% of books aren't revised past their first edition. Yeah. This is in its revised in its 12th edition. Well, it's, correct a, me if I'm wrong, but like the more revisions happen, they're, they are continually excited about getting yes, the book out. Correct? This thing keeps yeah. selling and selling and selling. And, and so it became crazy successful. Um, but I wrote it under the influence. Then I went to treatment and then, um, I just wrote recently, I'd say well, a few years ago, the, the sequel to this, which is called The Streets of Baltimore, which just came out. And, I, and that, the reason why I'm getting into all this, in that book, which I also both did the narrations for so you can get them on audiobook, oh, is cool. me reading it, which is a really interesting fucking process. Um, but The Streets of Baltimore talks about my psyche going through that whole process of Viva La Bam, Jackass, literally being handed the keys to this kingdom, yeah. all the while knowing underliningly that my addiction is going to rip this out from under me. Hmm. And, and, and although I want it so bad, I know that it's only temporary because it's only a matter of time before I go back to fucking like shooting her. And, and it happened. Yeah. But I really break down like what my mental state looked like. And that was depressing. Mm. That was doing all this rad shit, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, like hanging out at the Playboy Mansion, doing TRL with Jay-Z and, and Mariah Carey. And yeah, the yeah. day that, that his album Best of Both Worlds dropped and like really, and that's just the beginning of it, that, um, to knowing that it's only temporary and mm. that like- And that even then- I'll return back. Yeah. And and I didn't understand at the time, but I know it now. It, it, I, I always underestimated the opponent that I was up against, meaning addiction, mm. because I was too smart for my own fucking good. I couldn't understand why every time I got in the ring, I got beaten to a pulp. Not like, you know, a, a fat lip and a, and a bruised eye. I'm talking like... yeah. Eyes gouged out, teeth yanked out, tongue severed, skin off my face, like ears. And I couldn't understand because I was like a, an intelligent guy who could make things happen. And looking back, I see what happened. It's, it's that I never, ever, ever gave my opponent, meaning my alcoholism or my addiction, the time hmm. 
energy or attention that it fucking deserved ever yeah so therefore of course i'd i'd beat me to a bloody pop too if i saw some ignorant person that has no ability to have a, any kind of like chance to combat against what i'm going to put on you yeah, know what i mean right, it's like right. what is it like the mouse and the cat kind of or whatever well it's kind of almost like a purposeful underestimation of your opponent as well because i felt like you just like you don't really want to stop mm -hmm. like you want to yeah. stop but you don't really I, yeah. like want to stop totally so you're like you, like it's it's willful ignorance to go in yeah. prepared to the battle because like you don't you kind of want and there were times you kind of want to be beat up and that's you know? it, it totally and there were times where i accepted the outcome yeah like you know what actually let's just get this done quicker mm. yeah because i knew what was happening yeah it sounds like along the way you had a lot of um strong I guess relationships, friendships with uh with some of the guys that you were going through a lot of this stuff with sound like Bam being one of them. Um how, how would you describe your um your friendships during that time and now? You know, it's funny because the ones that I had in Baltimore, I had burnt every one of those to the bridge. So I Baltimore wasn't like home to me anymore. Okay. And it hadn't been for a long time. It was just a place to go get drugs. Yeah. Even when I was there, it wasn't the, the, nothing like promising about it. But then when Bam gave me the opportunity to move to Westchester and I showed up there and, and Chris Rabb and Ryan Dunn and Ray Kian and, and, all, and, and his girlfriend Jen at the time, and, and they were doing like normal things, things that I had like long destroyed and, and hadn't experienced in so long, like, like hanging out at people's houses, going to bars, going to restaurants, going to the movies, mm. right? I, I was so disconnected from that reality that when I got there, I was like, it really, it, it humanized me. Yeah, so that's a normalcy. And I was so dehumanized for so long that people like literally felt that it was best to love me from a distance and cross the street when I was coming, mm. rightfully so. Mm. Because I, if you told me you loved me, I had you. You know, I got you for at least 10 bucks, mm. a place to stay, a car to drive, a credit card to steal, mm. you know, and, and that, it's unfortunate and it really is. Give an inch, take a mile type of thing. Yeah. Because in my addiction, you know, if anyone attempted to stand between me and a drink or a drug, you had to go mm. and it was never personal. It was always just business Yeah, because I was a good guy who came from a good home, who knew right from wrong. But unfortunately I was, I was up against a, an opponent that I never stood a chance with. Yeah. And what I know to be true today is that anybody that's battling with addiction or alcoholism, here's a life hack. You're fighting a fixed fight. Mm. <laughs> You'll never, ever, ever fucking win. Mm. More of that mind fuck. Little did I know the moment that I came into sobriety and admitted complete defeat was the exact second I secured the ultimate victory. But that contradicted everything I lived my life by the wind to is that like point. Not getting in the ring. Yeah. yeah. The win is to fucking bow out. Yeah. Throw the towel in. Yeah. That's the ultimate victory. Mm. Accept responsibility for my actions. Stop trying to create a desired outcome. Like just fucking buy into the process. Yeah. How how long how long during this time were you like actively on television? when you were just high or would they would they like make sure that you weren't able to film that way or was there precautions around that no i mean it was just it was just it's crazy because like in the beginning of jackass before it became really unionized 
Um, I remember uh, Miller High Life used to sponsor Jackass, and oh, we'd okay. be wherever filming, and they'd literally have to rent out like two extra hotel rooms, same size as today's hotel rooms, for all the Miller High Life. Like, legit. <laughs> and then as time progressed and people saw like, yeah, you know. As it this, became a thing. Yeah, yeah a very monetized thing where right. people were like doing very well off of. Right. Like, yeah, maybe we should kind of cut that back so <laughs> that, you know. Yeah. But there were stunts, like a stunt that I was supposed to do that uh, I ended up going to jail and couldn't make bail to get out and someone else got mm. to do that stunt. You know what I mean? So like our, 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 our we started to get some repercussions from our actions along the way. Sure. And I, yeah. I saw Steve-O talking recently about how he was supposed to do the uh, the branding in his ass. Oh, yeah. But Bam did it, where he branded it, Jack yeah. at whatever his ass. And the only reason why Bam did it is because from what Steve-O said is he was like uh, doing nitrous oxide and when they went to get him out of his hotel room, his face was like blue. Mm. So like, all right, you're going to sit this out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, right. Was it? Was there a lot of that with all, like all of the cast and crew? Was, was there a few people that were just like, they're dead sober the whole time? They just, they're just there to hang out and film or like- No, nah, there wasn't anyone that was dead sober. There yeah. was just normal people and not normal Normal people. like alcohol, weed, yeah, cocaine. Yeah, just have fun, go to work on a Monday morning. Yeah, still yeah. carry on with responsibilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. And then there were like the- Still the, be able to show up and yeah. do their job. And then there's like the Steve-O's and I who just <laughs> were like, fuck, like this is going to go for the whole duration Did you guys filming. get along more because of that, you think? Well, we uh, we get along way better now. We got along then, but it was really convoluted yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and just fogged with, with addiction. Hmm. Now- um. He's a dear friend of mine, and I, I told him about this when I did his podcast not too long ago, but there was a point in time where I, I thought about asking him to be my sponsor in the program, mm. and I'm was like- he, Was he sober before? Yeah, he's, long, he's been sober longer than I, okay. and he's like, he, he, he really is one of the people that I, I, I emulate in a lot of ways as mm. far as behaviors, actions, and being a good human being. Yeah. Yeah, which is insane to say. If yeah, you think about really. it, yeah. Well, well, if you go watch Jackass one, totally. two, three, like you know what I mean, He's, you're not like that's the role model. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but like when I thought about it, I'm like, dude, I don't. I don't know if I want to commit that much because he's like really a, like I, I still have like my own issues as we all do. Sure, but sure. Some things I just don't want to address at the moment yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But like you know, and and that's funny. To, to think about but yeah, yeah that ended up that way yeah he's he's doing great and and you know i talked to a lot of them and uh, you know when when our paths cross or, or whatever the case is some i talk yeah. to way more some i don't talk to at all were there ever any stunts that you were approached with that you were like fuck that no, no. quite the contrary really? i was one doing i was willing to do anything because here's why right um, I wasn't allowed to do downers, right? No heroin, no opiates, no pills. And everyone was well aware of that. Okay. But if I did a stunt, that means I got more screen time, which means I made more money. Hmm. And if the stunt was crazy enough and I got hurt, I was taken to the hospital where a doctor would write me a script of what I really wanted, which mm. was pain pills. And Amoxy. everyone allowed yeah. me to do that. It because was a justifiable high. Yeah, right, and right. I did it while working and everyone's stoked. I got, you know, the point of jackass is to do things terribly wrong. So, <laughs> so the worse the stunt went, the better, like, of an applause you got. Right. right. Um, 
And, yeah. and so I, yeah, it gives you not only an excuse to take drugs, but also the like actual handwritten note from a medical doctor prescribing them to you legit <laughs> to recover from the injury that was self-inflicted in the first place. It's, it's like the, it's like the, it's like the <laughs> gift that keeps on giving me. <laughs> As I was saying that, that, that the role that I played, the character I was is like a junkie's dream. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 That's wild. Like looking back, have, have you gone through any of this stuff, like the documentary, whatever on the opiate uh, crisis and stuff? uh that's come out recently have you seen any of those i've seen a lot of them yeah it's i mean it's pretty wild I've, i didn't watch the one that came out i think there's on netflix or something um but it talks about the family that that really basically they're they were legal drug dealers essentially like they just fought to get a bunch of things passed that were probably the laws, purdue with the sackler and, the and all the family. oh it's yeah. it's yeah. so financially driven and motivated. it's insane dude it's uh, which the then ties into that political... family just like gets to chill with billions of dollars now mm-hmm. it's like oh they get slapped with some fines or whatever maybe get some bad publicity but it's like you made a fortune mm-hmm. off of getting like kids addicted to drugs for 30 years you know, which i believe no repercussions for that doctors not all but i believe a lot of doctors are worse than the heroin dealers you see on the corner Sure. At least there, you know what you're getting, right? right? You, uh, I see a lot of like 18 year old Bryans who yeah. break their ankle playing lacrosse, mm. and they go to the hospital because, you know, the doctor who's in a stethoscope and a white lab coat, and you know your insurance pays, you don't pay him, and it's financially incentivized. The more of these particular scripts he writes, the more money they make. Yep. So all of a sudden, Brian's got a sprained ankle, and here's some. Uh, here's 30 days worth of Percocets. Yeah. And Brian says, cool, he takes it. He goes to Rite Aid, they fill it for free. There's nothing drug dealerish about right. that. Right. And Brian starts taking those pills and, and now Brian has built up a physical dependency on these pills. It's inevitable, it's going to happen. Right. And then one day the doctor says, well, Brian, your ankle's healed up, you don't need these anymore. Well, maybe so, yeah. but- Tell that to his body who now has a physical dependency and a mental obsession and he can't stop thinking about it. So Brian leaves the doctor's office and he starts buying oxys from his neighbor up the street for 80 bucks a pop. Yeah. 80 and 80 is 160. You're buying two of those a day. You're going to drain 18-year-old Brian's bank account out real quick. And yeah. then what happens is you see Dave from up the street who's always been that weird shady guy that everyone stays away from. But Dave catches you on a day when you ran out of money, you can't buy any oxys. And Dave's got some heroin and Dave's like, dude, what are you doing? 10 bucks will get you higher than 480s. Mm. And then all of a sudden that word heroin that was so taboo, all of a sudden becomes not so tabooish. Yeah, yeah. And it's, that's it's the, the progression. Drug. That's it. That's what's wild. That it's, it, seems, it seems just so blatantly egregiously wrong mm-hmm. that they were just writing prescriptions for for sure. stupid shit mm-hmm. like not even stuff that would even require like, no. that much of a painkiller not at all you know what i mean um and it derailed a lot of people's lives completely mm-hmm. just just for some money you mm-hmm. know it's wild it's wild to look at and now and now like you know i think they've gotten that under, under control S- speaking anecdotally from my own experience like i've never been prescribed anything like that and i've been in, in and out of the hospital a good amount with different surgeries and stuff when i was growing up just from playing sports i just got a lot of injuries and uh they would never give me anything like that um because of my age because they were just like oh you're a 16 year old male you you fit like right into this demographic sure. that we are not allowed to like write these prescriptions to um so even if it was like i went back one time when it was just like i was in a lot of pain my ankle got infected after i had reconstruction surgery and i uh, went back and was like this stuff is not working it was like 
it was like Norco, but it was like pretty mm-hmm. chill Norco, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was and I was taking them. I would put some. I would take some ibuprofen. I was like, I'm in pain. Like I, I got yeah. like some. This is not working. Is what I'm telling you. And the doctor was still like, no, we can't. Like, and this thank is the best God I can for that you. doctor. Yeah, sure, sure. Now, other like, at the time, like, I was oh, like, sure. I want something stronger than totally. this, though, you know? Which, but like now I look back on it, it's like, yeah, but like you don't know what you're, you don't know the fire that you're playing with when you're a 16 year old kid just trying to recover from a sports injury so you could get mm-hmm. back and play. Like, you don't, you don't know any of that. You just want to feel a little bit better. You know what I mean? You just want to be out of the pain. And then there's a lot of doctors where you'll go to them and say, look, I'm in recovery. I'm sober. I can't take any narcotic. And they'll try. And it's happened to me. And a lot of people that I sponsor that do it. And they try to hand it over and over and really? over. It's like, don't. Yeah. I just told you. This. Like <laughs> over and over. Out of my yeah. And then someone else comes in and tries to hand yeah. it. Yeah. Talk not- about your mind screwing you in that situation too. Because like, like, it's like we talked about, it's, it's a medical doctor. They went to like yeah, 12 years of school sure. to be able to be qualified to tell you to take this drug. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, of course, you're going to like look for every reason to just be like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. It's only, totally. it's only, it's only 20 days worth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I'll we'll justify done. it done in, in weeks, any way, shape you know or form. I mean? Yeah. Right. My body doesn't understand or recognize take one as prescribed. <laughs> like that's <laughs> right. fucking foreign to me. I have a better yeah, chance do of not learning how to alcohol read. alcohol. Yeah. Okay. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Well, listen, dude. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I I've enjoyed this, taking, man. Yeah, taking this the time to come on the show. Um, uh, we went in a direction I didn't expect. That was really a beautiful thing we just did here. Good, man. I'm good. Glad, glad to hear that. Um, is there what, what what you got going on now? What what, what do you want? Um, on? just so I created the Novak's houses, which are men's sober living houses, and my yep. my goal is to provide scholarships for any man in need, um, as long as I have a bed available. And uh, I do that by asking generous donors if they'd like to contribute to the cause. Whether it's a dollar, a penny, five cents, five dollars, it doesn't matter. Anything's better than nothing. Um, and, and if you're interested in that cause, you could just Venmo it to at Novak's House. At Novak's House. Yeah, on yeah, it's it's real simple. Um, but I also help people get help. Uh, I've opened up Redemption Addiction Treatment Center. I, I'm a firm believer that I could create the environment that I seek, and and I've devoted my life to helping people who are where I was and, and don't see a light at the end of that dark tunnel. So uh, if anyone's out there and they need help, they can reach me and my partner directly at 610-314-6747. And we'll do the best that we can to get you the help that you deserve. So uh, check it out. The books, they're in audio. If you go to my website, brandonnovak.com, it kind of takes you down the whole rabbit hole of all my stuff. Sweet man, BrandonNovak.com. dude. Th- thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for the work that you are doing. Love it, man. And continue to do. Appreciate you. Um, you we'll we'll, we'll this was some time. Yeah. Thanks. Yes, sir. Cheers. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to TravisChapel.com/team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's TravisChapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you since I'm sharing my friends with you is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet. Then leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.